Episode 120, Fractured Skulls. It is Tuesday night, December 20th, 2022. If you can believe it, we're back with another episode of Fractured Skulls. No monoxide with me this time. Uh, we're doing a, you guys are getting two episodes in one week. When does that happen? For Fractured Skulls, it never happens. It just doesn't happen. You know, I, I'm in a giving mood. I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, I, I've been, I've been pretty good to St. Nick. I'm in a good old jolly mood. I have my friends, Anthony versus Evil Dead and Charles Lee Ray Ray back again on the podcast. How you doing, fellas? Welcome back. How's it going? What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? You know, you guys are back again. We got another movie review. This one's a Shutter exclusive, but we'll get to that. But first things first, we got news stories. So let's check it out. Well, ever since 1999, uh, The Rock and the Gunn family have been having issues. And it's continuing today. Billy Gunn's uh, older brother, James. <laughs> oh, man. It seems like uh, The Rock is done with uh, Black Adam, with the, the DC Universe. He wrote a letter. I mean, in, in short short terms, you know, they're getting rid of him. And he tried to, I guess, to disguise with that. You know, we had a great talk. I won't be in their next chapter, but I'll be back. He's done. I think I think this is Rock admitting defeat that, you know, Black Adam didn't draw at the box office. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I really hope James Gunn has a good plan. Because we lost, you know, because now we already lost Henry Cavill. I think that was a big shocker to a lot of people. A lot of people like Henry because he just left The Witcher prior to this. So we thought, okay, so he's going to be back full-time as Superman. But no, now, that's not the case. I, I think Gal Gadot's going to be next. He's going on the chopping block with this this new plan for James Gunn and his and his partner. What do you guys think? Um, I think that it is necessary to do this and start brand new. Um, I think it is difficult for someone to be told you're coming back and then for it to be taken back maybe two months later. What I think is the best option here is that if DC offered Henry Cavill another role in this new version of the DCU, it's not, um, you know, Superman, maybe a villain or something like that. I think that would be more fair. I understand that with a new regime coming in that they would want to start something new. Plus, a lot of the DCU is very convoluted right now and they've proven that they don't have to make universes to make money i mean some of the more popular properties are ones that aren't even connected to the dceu with joker and the batman uh, i'm i believe both made over a billion dollars if not batman was at least relatively close so i think the only th sad part is that you know, we don't know what's happening with uh, Michael Keaton as Batman on a personal level for me because I was excited to see him put it back on the suit. And now he possibly has two movies that might be canceled. So it's just weird that this man that a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for, a lot of people have a lot of um, love for and would be excited because we're in the age of nostalgia cells putting on this 1989 bat suit for him to not even have it be shown it's just very strange uh i mean there's i mean as of right now the flash is still coming out 
but uh, you never know with with these guys. But I mean, I understand James Gunn um, situation. I I think they should start something new, but I think there's something in the middle, a compromise in the middle, where they can offer um, people they've made promises to maybe another role that is significant so they can fulfill that and play another character in this new universe. I feel like this was, I don't want to say expected, but it's something we kind of would figure, especially with James Gunn coming in, that it was just going to be a whole reboot in a sense of the DCU. But with Henry Cavill coming in, it's like, I have to agree with Anthony on that point of maybe have him do something else just because everyone was very content seeing him again in the Superman role, but to just be like, yeah, sorry, we're going to take it back. The Black Adam role, I feel like, unfortunately, even The Rock admitted it on his post. He saw the fan reaction. He's accepting the... He said it was humility that on this just because I don't think it did, unfortunately, the best in the box office. The fan re- reaction wasn't what they were expecting, so I get that reboot but just as a fact of the whole dcu maybe bring in some of the stars fans enjoyed but change it up like Ant said but i'm wondering now what is going to happen with those side properties as well what are they going to do in that that case um but again i i trust james gunn might be able to do something better for the dcu hopefully get the fandom to actually want to follow it like the fandom loves mcu but it's going to be wait and see. Yeah, me and uh, Monoxa, we talked about this in our last episode. We gave her thoughts. I mean, but where does that leave someone like John Cena and the Peacemaker? And I know James Gunn is involved in that show. I mean, are they going to get rebooted? Are they going to get recasted? What's, what's going to go on with him? I mean, and we heard that uh, it seems like Wonder Woman 3 is, is officially canceled. But they never announced, you know, anything with what's going to happen with uh, Gail Cadet. I mean, I read somewhere that they already cut her and Henry Cavill's cameo out of this Flash movie. I mean, I'm pretty sure they wish they could just cut the Flash movie as a whole. But they got too much money involved in that, you know, for them to say no. So they're just going to have to, I guess, just take the bullet. And where does that leave Aquaman? Where does that, you know, what's, what's, where does that leave everybody else? Is everyone going to get reset? Are they going to hit the reset button on everyone? I, th- I think... Um... I think they've already mentioned in these articles and you know who knows if they're actually true or not but that they offered uh, Jason Momoa Lobo which I think is something they should do with like Henry Cavill or anyone they've really promised I think more Henry Cavill than any anybody else I mean as far as like The Rock um, unfortunately Black Adam didn't do what was needed for its budget so I don't really see that it's necessary to, um, you know, offer him something else. Um, as far as Gal Gadot, I think there's, I think also it's just she had her, her time in the role. I don't know. They, they haven't openly promised anything to her like they did with Henry Cavill. So I think, yeah, I think everything should be rebooted. I can see a space where peacemaker continues because they yes they've referenced you know the characters in the dceu but at the same time you can kind of get away with it more because it's a comedy that you don't have to be so um attached to the other properties and then reference them 
people could take it more like a joke. Which, you know, the cameos ended up being a joke anyway about, you know, fucking fish or whatever. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely could see. I think Peacemaker is the safest one being even I could see them making the joke about all this situation. Like they'll they could say, hey, I'm still here. Just something because we've seen how Peacemaker likes to get close to breaking the fourth wall on the show. Um, as far as Wonder Woman, I was it announced that a three was even in the works? Because I don't think that was even a, um, at least as far as being in production. I I don't think it started production, but I think like an idea got leaked of like her putting uh, Chris Pines' character Trevor in like the Lazarus pit to resurrect. Okay. It's okay. like, oh, Jesus, what the hell is her obsession with this fucking guy? Well, okay, but even even then, it's like I don't think the fandom's gonna go nuts for sadly if her time in the role is done. But as far as again, like Henry Cavill, that one just hurt the fandom because it was like. Well, we have him again, and then nothing. And it, this was all promised, this whole conversation. He was willing to finally leave The Witcher, which also he has his own issues with that uh, show as well, of just them not following the concept to, like, book material, I believe, was his issue. So Yeah, it's the source material. There's new stories coming out about uh, masculinity issues. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, so there's a whole, the whole other thing there. But as far as the rest, I... I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up canceling this Flash movie though, because I feel like even with the budget on it, I feel like the amount of just so much drama involved outside of it is it even worth to put out? Because I don't think it's gonna get the any any actual good reaction from the film. Oh no, they're they're good. I think they're gonna put it out regardless. They they have to at this point because now I mean recently they started another tax cut where they're shopping all their shows. Onto uh, streaming services like um, Raised by Wolves, The Westworld Show, basically all their recently canceled shows, they're gonna shop around to other streaming services or other networks just to see who's willing to pick it up and do some kind of syndication deal, whatever. Just uh, make up, you know, just get extra money. Well, then I can't wait to see where Elmo goes because they canceled his, his late night show. Oh, no, <laughs> Elmo. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Elmo thinks that they should keep the show. Elmo wants to stay in HBO Max. Elmo no like Netflix. <sighs> so, uh, any fa- anyone plans on seeing Avatar 2 The Way of Water? The film that's supposedly rumored budget to be around over $400 million, which would make it the most expensive film of all time. At first, uh... I heard it, it was budgeted to be 350 to $400 million. Now, it, I'm hearing it's, it's more than that. So we're talking like four and four hundred and fifty million. What what is this budget being what, used for? Hell did James Cameron blow to get that kind of money? Jesus! I, I just well, want to know I what mean, they did with this, because wow. I mean, he got the budget because one, it started off with another studio, and two, I mean, his first movie, the first Avatar movie, did make over two billion dollars. So. I guess they can justify asking for that much money because you're going to, you know, quadruple, close to quadruple that money. So I guess I can understand it. Uh, 460 million. That is the reported budget. Freaking did, insane. Did the first one make that much back? Well, I guess it had to in order yeah. to be able to. Yeah, it's, I, think it's still, I think it's still number one. 
Oh wow. Okay. And okay. Currently, and currently they have grossed over 435 million worldwide. That's where they are right now. Probably more. At least as as reported two days ago. Okay. Well, again, I guess there has to be a fandom for it. Again, personally, I wasn't a fan of the first one, but there has to be some sort of fandom because it made that much the first go around, and it's projected, I believe, to make close to with the second one. Well, speaking of James Cameron, I mean, he is looking at rebooting the Terminator franchise. Woohoo! <laughs> it's like every time they make a new Terminator film, they have to, like, not acknowledge the previous film. Uh, but a quote here, nothing has been decided, but I would make it much more about the AI side of it rather than bad robots gone crazy. I'm not sure what that means exactly, but uh, that don't work for me, brother. I'm done with these Terminator films. I mean, to me, they have... I actually recently saw the third one the other day. I didn't think it was that bad, but it was, it was just an unnecessary sequel. And I guess Salvation is picking up a cult following. But what do you guys think about this? Are you fans of the Terminator franchise? Or maybe a fan of a film, but not the whole series? Yeah, I mean, Terminator 3 was actually the first rated R movie I saw in theaters. Uh, but um, I don't mind the franchise overall. The I'm one of those people that like the first one more than the second one. Uh, I know, and the second one is like, people love the second one. You know, they think it's the, one of the greatest sequels of all time. It supersedes the uh, first one. But for me, I like the first first one more. Um, I didn't mind 3. I didn't mind um, Aspects of Salvation. I didn't see Genesis. Genesis. I don't know how the hell they spelled it. Yeah. But uh, And the last one, Dark Fate, I didn't mind either. But I completely understand why someone would because they kind of retconned a lot of the lore that people loved without saying too much so i mean am i interested am i you know can't wait for a new terminator not really but i mean i guess i would be interested if james cameron does direct it this time if he directs it then I would be interested because that's something that we haven't got gotten since 1992, right? So, um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. I feel like at this point, it's going to become one of those movies that it has the Terminator name, but just it, it's not even close to what the series is anymore. We're just going to get this, well, we're at Terminator 56 and Arnold's not even mentioned in it. Like, just, we're, we're going to get to that point of it. Um, I'm a fan of the first three films, but again, just continuing on and on, it's, I don't know. Uh, with this, hopefully uh, they're able to do some justice. Hopefully we still get some sort of an Arnold cameo in here. Just anything at this point. But I guess we'll wait and see. I don't know. It's hard because I don't really see the series working without Arnold. I mean, I think I think Salvation was the closest that came to almost working without him. Mm -hmm. Because because uh, even after after that film, they ended up retconning that too. But I mean, I mean, like what Anthony said, there were aspects of Salvation I liked. Um, Terminator Three, I'm so surprised is an R-rated movie because it feels like the most safest R-rated film. And uh, Genesis, I don't know what the hell that was. 
and the last one, Dark Fate. Again, there were little things that I liked about it. I, I liked the the bad guy, the T-1000. I mean, I guess... I mean, I don't know if he's going to come back as Ghost Rider, but... I, I, I don't know with this series. I mean, I feel like the only way James Gunn's going to be all in when it comes to Terminator films is if he directs it. Because I feel like if he's just producing, like, his heart's, just, his heart's not going to be into it. He'll, he'll, like, be one of those guys that says, hey, what's up, bye. He'll have his coffee and then he'll go away. Yeah. It it would it would be super weird for James Gunn to direct these movies. I feel I feel like he's so past Terminator now. <laughs> Travis uh, still hasn't noticed his mistake. No, like, we're talking about James Cameron. What did I say? James, James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> like James Gunn's just gonna take over all yeah. movies. Like he's yeah. doing the DCU. He's got Guardians. Now he's gonna do this. He's gonna do. Uh, Linda, <laughs> Linda, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> We're moving on. Uh, I want a James Gunn Power Rangers movie now. That's it. That's all we need. Just give us everything, James Gunn. Just give us everything. Yeah, but well, I was saying with Cameron, I just feel like his heart's not gonna be into it unless he's <laughs> directing it. I just yeah. feel like he's so past these movies, but since he owns the rights to it, like he's just kind of like, well, we'll just get in a quick Skype call with him, see what he thinks. Yeah, it sounds good. Cool. And then when it doesn't work, you know. I wanted to go this direction, but he wanted to go the other way. But I, uh, I'm, I mean, unless Cameron's directing, I have no interest in Terminator. I, even with him directing, I, I don't know where you, where you take the story. Where does it go? I don't the know. fact I, that they just keep like almost just forgetting about the last one they make. It's like, at this point, why are you continuing a series that it stops connecting at a certain point? Yeah, like, just look, look, look at Texas Chainsaw Ray. People complain about Halloween with, with their timeline. Look at Texas. They're the worst. I, I was going to say one of my favorite series. Look at that. Like Fast and the Furious. We just forget people die. We're just like, nope. I'm going to bring them back. They're going to do this with Terminator. That's, that's going to be next. Like, no, no one dies. Because everyone no one comes ever, back. No one ever stays dead. <laughs> uh, Terminator family. You guys heard about the, the rumors of the Marvel castings for, uh, I guess, the Fantastic Four? We're hearing yeah. that uh, Isa Gonzalez, that actress, is rumored to be playing uh, the Invisible Woman. And it looks like there's two actors lined up to play Mr. Fantastic. One of them being Diego Luna, who does the Andor show on Disney+. And Elvis, Elvis is uh, Austin Butler, is now campaigning. Apparently his agency is campaigning him to be part of the MCU. Um, what do I think? Uh, I guess... I don't know. Isa's a very pretty actress, but I, I, I always feel like she's like, I don't know. She just comes off very generic. I just feel like she hasn't really done a role that really like put her to the next level. I mean, I mean, you know, she's fine, but you know, it's whatever. I mean, I guess in a comic, Sue Storm is basically like a generic blonde. I mean, they cast Jessica Alba. She was, uh, she was fine for what, for what those movies were. I mean, apparently she's supposed to come back for uh, Deadpool. I think in Deadpool 3, they, I think because I think they're going to do the whole multiverse at her and the uh, other guy that played with Tastic will do like a cameo, but I don't know. Uh, whatever. Sure. Okay. Cool. I really don't care who they cast anymore with these when it comes to the MCU. As long as not as long as not Jennifer Lawrence, because then, you know, I mean, she opened the doors to, to female action movies. What do you guys think? I, I like her in Baby Driver. She, oh, was, yeah. really, she was really good with John Hamm, those, uh, that duo. Kind of like a really uh, messed up, even more messed up Bonnie and Clyde kind of characters. So I, I would be open to it. Um, 
it, it makes sense to have Diego Luna also in there if that's the case. That's how they're they're going. Uh, I I I would think that the guy who played Elvis is going to be the Human Torch. I would assume. Oh, wait, uh, was that the role he was camping? Yeah, I think that was the one. That Mr. Fantastic Human Torch. Him, yeah. So, and uh, are they going to bring back uh, Michael Chiklis for, to play the thing? I feel like that they they would do that for like Deadpool three. Yeah. With their multiverse. You think I, he could? I always liked his casting. It. I always liked him as the. You think he could still put on the foam suit? <laughs> he he was just the best personality for it. I feel like like it 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 felt like he was the thing. It worked. But, Except he could have been taller. <laughs> yeah, true, but hey, it, it, it worked out for, it worked for the out. times, I guess. Like, nah, I appreciate those acting coaches because they were or or, or casting uh, act, the cast director because they're like, you know what? He's perfect for the role. It doesn't matter that he's five foot three. <laughs> hey, this is still the critique about Hugh Jackman, the height. Which is they, like, should, they should get Jason Alexander to play the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, was, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Diego Luna, though, in that role. That would be interesting to see his take on, on the character. But I guess we'll wait and see. Endor, a show I have not watched. I've heard good things. I still haven't watched it either. I gotta like watch it. me watching Chucky, season two. You gotta watch that show. You gotta watch that show. It's a great ending. It is. I I'm I would assume it's gonna drop soon on on the Peacock. Yeah, I believe more than likely now during Christmas time, I will feel like they'll drop it. Yeah, that or out or or New Year's or something. No. I mean, Violet Night is now currently available <laughs> on digital. That was the quickest. Just like boom, it's it's out. Like, gotta make that extra cash, Ray, right before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good film. Yeah. You want to talk about quickness? Strange World's already dropping on Disney Plus. I think sometime this week, either tomorrow or. Well, that I remember. I knew they they talked about like it was going quickly to Disney Plus. Yeah, because this was, was. I think I I kind of like this situation. I think um, ultimately, Violet Knight did make a profit yeah. as of right now. Um, small, but the budget was small too. But I kind of like this whole scenario of, uh, hey, this movie didn't do that good, so we're going to put it out three, four weeks later, try to get the the home the home uh, viewer to pay for it, you know, the highest price for it before it goes out on physical media or on sale or whatever the case is. So I kind of like this turnaround and like this new addition to what has happened since the pandemic that a movie doesn't do that great in theaters, so they put it out even more quickly on digital. Yeah, I think that Christian Bale movie that uh, I think he did with Marco Robbie, Robert De Niro, they had like a huge cast and it like bombed. It's already on HBO Max. I haven't watched it yet, but. Mm. I, I wonder though, when we look at those numbers, it, is it factoring in though? People are still kind of, as much as people are going back to the movies, I feel like people are still kind of scared to want to go back. Like, I I don't think they're scared, Ray. I think where we live nowadays, yeah. I think people are just moving on from the pandemic, and you know, essentially, 
you know, having a COVID zero policy is kind of proven not to be the correct way throughout the world, regardless of what you think of the uh, pandemic. But um, I think that the COVID just um, made it made this situation happen more quickly that it was going to happen this way regardless with all these streaming services that you have to pay for and everyone's kind of buying for your money it's kind of turned movie theaters to only want to go there in large amounts for the big spectacular films you know the marvel films the action films i mean how many how many movies that come out in theaters there are comedies that do well essentially there's only two types of movies that make money nowadays it's the superhero genre excuse me and and horror movies they're almost both yep. guaranteed to make it's uh, a profit there's there's outliers like top gun and and things like that but top gun i guess is kind of like an action movie too but as far as like comedies and and like these dramas especially dramas people are like nah i'll wait till it comes out on netflix <laughs> no nah, it's just too depressing i don't want to see that yeah i guess i guess that makes sense like it definitely is going to be a lot more pick and choosy and especially for those two those are going to be instant like well they're definitely getting our money because we're there for those two genres yeah <laughs> yeah there's still an audience for the superhero genre i don't think that's going to be going anywhere anytime soon i mean i mean eventually it's going to die out but who knows when that's going to happen i mean i feel like the marvel movie is going to have to really take a down slump for the whole superhero genre to die yes. or at least people to kind of open their eyes to other other forms of the theater I mean, the horror genre, I think, was a big surprise for me because even before this, like, the horror genre was struggling, at least to make any money. But, like, this was a big year for horror movies, whether it be Barbarian, uh, Terrifier 2. Um, I think Smile even made a profit because originally that was just supposed to be a Paramount Plus exclusive movie. But then they just figured, ah, let's throw it in theaters and see what happens. And then it turned out to be a surprise hit. So, and, I mean, and to me, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to Scream. hear that. Scream. Uh, coming out soon. Yeah, I think the trailer. I still have to. I still have to watch the trailer. Actually, yeah. I mean, the trailer is really just a tease. But yeah, no. I. You know, the thing about horror is that it has such a low budget that the bar isn't very high to make money. You know, most of these horror films are between uh, ten and twenty million to make. So ultimately, you know, that's not as hot. You know, you you probably have 10 to 20 million in advertising so you have to make like 50 million to make a profit so that's why these horror movies relatively do well because their budget is so low and, and all that but um and you and you really don't need to cast like a really big name for the horror movies to make money i mean black no. hole make profit too yeah yeah and i think and that's great because you know people are kind of just going for the story or like this oh this story seems interesting or yeah because you know none of these actors or actresses uh that are in these roles you know ethan hawk is a pretty he he's had a sustainable career that people know who he is but i don't know if people are like trampling each other to go see an ethan hawk movie but i guess these movies have like an interesting plot or you know, a lot of people like to escape. I think that's another big thing now. You know, a lot of these movies that are based in real life, you know, um, 
that are going on. It's like based on a true story. They're all very negative. And there is a big uh, contingency of people that love like true crime stuff. But it's more in the sense of like they try to figure it out themselves, you know. Uh, but I don't know if they're re really willing to go th to the theater to watch something that they probably have experienced, you know, in watching the news or, or whatever the case is, you know. But I think a lot of people with everything that's going on for whatever reason in our society just want to escape. And horror is an escape and superhero movies are an escape. And, and I think that's two driving factors of where our society is right now and where people kind of want to be and the headspace they want to be in when they uh, want to spend their entertainment dollar. Definitely so. I feel like that's the perfect way to explain it. Like it definitely something that's almost that just larger than life factor that people want to enjoy instead of just something that again, it could be easier to just watch at home. Yeah, that, I think, yeah, that could be it. Um, so let's see where next year takes us. Um, you know, make it a Twister sequel. Twisters! I think I think, uh, I think, think next year is going to be a lot of the same, Travis. I think it's going to be superheroes and horror. You know, for the longest time, I thought, I kind of felt like the horror was kind of like the, I guess, the end of its run. Because I just feel like, you know, have we seen everything the horror genre has to offer? But then, you know, this year... We get Barbarian, we get Black Phone, we get, uh, as I mentioned, Smile. And it kind of reminds me of what John Carpenter said in an interview he did with uh, Robert Rodriguez on that director's series. You know, hard, the horror genre is never going to go away. You know, just when you thought you've seen everything, something else is going to come out and then that's going to be the new trend. Or, or you know, the next, the next big Jordan Peele movie. So horror is going to be around forever. Horror movies rule! Horror yeah. rules is what he says. Well, it's because it's so bending as well. Like, there's so many adaptation of stories. There's so much that they can take from just the inspiration alone. There's there's always going to be a reason to make a horror movie. Yeah, and it's been with us before movies, you know. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. Saying tales of, you know, of, you know, to scare children and, and all that. I mean, and horror has been around since the beginning of film. You know, there's so many silent movies that occurred in the early days of horror before they started noticing, hey, we got to take out, you know, anything that has to do with religion and all that, you know. And then, you know, one of the more popular things when movies had uh, speaking roles in it was horror movies. So horror, I think, is always going to be uh, something that film always goes back to. Yep. And speaking of horror, I guess we might as well transition in today's film discussion. And that is the Shutter exclusive 2022 film, Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, this film does not have a rating, but I'm going to say it's rated R. It was written and directed by Joe Begos. I know I'm butchering that last name wrong. Uh... I don't know. Well, I only knew two actors in this film. One of them being, uh, in fact, he was in our previous review, Jeff Daniel Phillips. And uh, the Munsters, he plays Sheriff Monroe in this movie. And the other actor I noticed was uh, Jonah Ray from Mystery Science Theater 3000. He just plays uh, the boyfriend uh, in the beginning of the movie. He kind of gets killed off with his girlfriend in the, uh, in the store. 
Uh, I remember you brought this film up to me, uh, Mr. Gangle. Don't watch this movie, you know, when you come hang out, we're going to watch it together. I was like, oh, too late, I already saw it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Travis, I, you know, you you really don't give people chances here. It's like, I, hey, this is one You're of the three movies I got to watch today. You <laughs> three hours too late. <laughs> I saw it advertised on AMC Plus. I said, oh, this looks kind of fun. This should be fun. And uh, yeah, I gave this a watch. Uh, Christmas, bloody Christmas. Someone said it on IMDb. That was like, fuck. They they said what I said to you. It's Silent Night, Deadly Night meets the Terminator. That's basic. That is what this film is. Uh, it's what a little under ninety minutes. Ninety minute movie. So uh, ninety you know. minutes too long. Oh, okay. Oh, he's got the whiskey. He took a sip. <laughs> That's how you're gonna get through this review. Well, well just with right with the this. amount of whiskey, with the amount of whiskey consumed in this movie, I was like, I'm gonna sip whiskey during this this podcast because I this movie gave me the same as Terrifier 2. It could have ended at so many points, and it just kept going and going and going. Yeah, I was like, oh, this. Now I understood what you guys were saying. That I was like. It started to lose me. I was like, okay, it could have been a great movie. And then it just keeps going and going. I was and like, let me say that Ray paid for this movie. I did. I so rented this movie. His opinion is even like, more. I mean, te- technically, I paid for it too through subscription. But Ray paid for the film <laughs> I to watch this. To pay for this one. three ninety nine. Oh, man. Now I have now we've seen this director's work before in uh, VFW, uh, that, and that came out just uh, what three years ago, 2019, and I, and I enjoyed that film. It, it reminded me a lot of uh, Assault on Pressing 13. For any of those that are fans of that film, so and this was his follow-up to that movie, and obviously he 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 grew up watching a lot of movies. He grew up you know John Carpenter, James Cameron, so a, a lot of those. A lot of his childhood films influence his films now, but with this movie, uh, it's it's a it's a mixed bag for me. I think like if I had to give it a thumbs up or thumbs down, I, my thumbs would kind of like be in the middle to slightly down, a little bit. Um, the that the first twenty minutes for me, I mean, it, uh, it was hard. A lot of people oh. felt. Go ahead, you were gonna say something, Anthony. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back slightly on that. The first, I'm gonna say this is why I'm gonna push back on you. I'm sure you were about to make this point, but I heard someone say that the opening of this film, the first 20 minutes, was a lot like Mall Mallrats or like a Kevin Smith type movie, because you know they're talking and arguing about you know music and movies and and all that and this is the reason why i'm gonna push back on you travis because i know it really bothered you that this is how the movie started but let me just say these conversations are almost exactly the conversations we have when we hang out so that's (laughs) why i'm gonna push back on you on that because now you're saying that our conversations are very annoying to record as well you know what it is? Travis was mad that he wasn't a part of these conversations. He's like, these are the convos I should be having on screen. But I, I don't know how, Travis, it was the twenty, the first 20 were that hard. For me, I felt like those first 40 just went by like that. I was enjoying those first 40 minutes just went flying to me. 
Like it was a good start to the yeah. film. And I was like, Ray, okay. Ray was enjoying it until that guy put his face in that girl's ass, <laughs> and then that's when the movie went down. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we get to the sex scene. You know what's so oh. funny? <laughs> You know what's so funny about that? I was watching it with the lovely Valentina, my bloody Valentina, and she goes, as we're watching it, that scene happens. She goes, "Oh, that that's real. How do you fake that on the movie?" <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> uh, well, that dude really had to go to the ass. So. Also, I just want to say this, Travis, uh, yeah. not to correct you, but I think he did actually do a movie. In between VFW and this, it was called Bliss, and it had the uh, woman from the toy store in it. Okay. And I guess she was on Chicago Fire. That was like her biggest role. Um, I did like the first. I think like the first minute or two of the film, they show like different uh, trailers, like made up commercials they made for the movie. That was fun. And then of course they showed the Santa Claus. That would that would be the big thing and i think they mentioned during the movie as it like the characters are talking that the the santa clauses were being recalled because of a malfunction yeah because didn't they say it was originally for like military purposes who decides to make a same santa robot and be like yeah we're gonna send it first to the military and now it's just gonna be randomly in stores okay now i gotta push back on you uh, about this too I had the same feeling about that. Like, why would you make something that was created for the military, like a super soldier, and then turn it into like something to display in in a store, yeah. right? But Ray, what I'm gonna say is, a lot of the appliances that we have, including our cell phones, were originally created for the military and then repurposed for us. So, I'm gonna have to push back slightly. And, okay, and say okay. I can understand it. Uh, okay, okay. but our, our, our cell phones aren't tur- aren't turning into attacking robots. <laughs> well, well not yet. They have exploded and kill people. You know what? My my point was disproven. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so we so we were basically introduced to these two characters. Uh, they both work at like a hot topic type uh, store. Uh, Tori and Robbie. And so we're basically following them. Uh, they're just a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue. Uh, again, if you're into Kevin Smith, you you know you may enjoy this. Uh, for me, it was just uh, maybe maybe because they were just swearing too much. I don't know. The girl, <laughs> oh. the girl's pretty annoying. Really? Travis I, likes yeah. his movies clean. Yeah, I, oh I like. You know, look, if if especially if I'm next to my father. <laughs> See, that's what scene. it was. There's it was because of the sex going on. It's pretty awkward. I'm not gonna lie. I'm glad I watched this movie alone, because no one warned me there was a sex scene. And I'm like, oh, didn't get this naughty. Okay. <laughs> but that beginning score was great too. Like the the rock music in the background, I thought it was good. But it definitely gives that Kevin that Kevin Smith vibes to the to b- the beginning of the movie. What did you think of the overall like cinematography or like the lighting of the movie? Um, I mean, we even though none of us were born during the 80s, I or or 70s, late 70s. I really, I really like the filming of it. It's kind of grainy. Um, maybe they overdid it with some of the uh, snow, 
but I really, I don't know. I really respect the fact that it tried to create an atmosphere with the Christmas lights, with the snow, with the neon, which is not something new for this director because he used a lot of this in VFW as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I kind of see this director, obviously for me as of right now, not at the same level, but I kind of see this director being like a John Carpenter in the way that he films and how aesthetically he tries to make the movies look a certain way that's not you know there's so many movies that are lower budget nowadays that um, have a very like digital kind of look to them and I respect the fact that this is given some atmosphere through the lights through the snow through the kind of graininess of it through the neons so I, I really, that was an aspect of the film that I really did enjoy. Yeah, that, that stylistic look to it, I definitely thought was, it gave something else to the film, not just, okay, yeah, you could tell that it would give that's the low budget. It definitely gave something that it adds to the whole just presentation of it all. That was definitely interesting. I liked his idea, for the especially for the first kills, having it almost be like that, that video game style of like, you're now the killer here. Just follow through. Yeah, the, the first, the first person. Yeah. That to me was great. That was a great choice to like, okay, this is how this killer is going to be. How gory it can get. I thought that was an interesting choice. Almost like a little little nod there to possibly Halloween or even Black Christmas with that yeah. POV shot. Um, I would like to see this director. I don't know, you know, work on an episode of um, Del Toro's Netflix show, Cabin of Curiosities. Hmm just to see what he can do in that kind of environment and you know maybe you'll get something good i guess the film really started picking up for me i guess once the killing started because i was surprised how intense and how gory and how exciting it was for me i was like oh wow you know this maybe you know maybe this film could redeem itself for me you know it's because it started to get really damn pretty fucking crazy and I, i did like a lot of the kills uh, I think my favorite, I've had to pick, uh, what was my favorite? I did like the police, that my, I guess it was a, this is another nitpick for me, was how this this uh, animatronic Santa Claus was able to find where this girl was almost at all times. Yeah, that was the only thing that was like, well, I guess that adds to the army part of it. That's like, it's a trained soldier, so it's going to find its target no matter what. But that was a little weird that it's like, no matter where they went, it just knew where to follow, where to follow, where to follow. She, like, like, he, like this Santa truck knew exactly where she was. Yeah. Like she, well, he, he did it the first time because he, he knew the, the building. He just didn't know which door. At least that was at least realistic. That's like he has to go through each door to find <laughs> where they are. But then she's at the police station. That's we you know we get introduced to uh, Geico Caveman, Rob Zombie, uh, Herman Monster guy. But we meet, the, we meet the other cop, the one that goes, oh, fucking Santa Claus. Yeah, this mother. Yeah, fucking yeah. When she first, when all her friends got killed and um, she ran off or drove away, runs into the cops. They think she did it or whatever. They see blood all over, her, so they arrest her without yeah. ever, having really listening to her. And then they send another unit to the house, and then that's really the last we've seen of them. She's getting interrogated by uh, Herman Monster, and then that's when uh, our uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, animatronic comes back and go again. I, it's a budgetary thing. I did like this scene, but first of all, the fact that there's only two cops at the police station is ridiculous. I know it's Christmas Eve. I think that's what they said. You know, everyone's home. No one's, we don't really have a lot of people around, but 
Yeah, because that's what like the, the, the cop said when he arrived on location at first, that there's not many of them left. Listen, so. there's there's only a few cops that work on Christmas Eve. It's these cops and Maniac Cop, and he was elsewhere <laughs> that day. So this is what they needed, Maniac Cop, to fight this, this Santa. Oh, I am so with that. Let's do Imagine that battle. First Maniac Cop. Christmas <laughs> Maniac Christmas. But I want Zombie Maniac die. Cop. Like, neither want to die because both could get blown up, put on fire, and they're still moving. <laughs> so just, just keep it going. Also, we skipped over this, but I thought that was an insane choice by, by the director. They killed a child in this. Yes. That's yes. me. I was, I was like... Oh, he might let him live or just move away. And no, he legit killed a kid. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a scary choice right there. To be like, yeah, we're going to show a child getting killed. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I like that aspect because I felt like it literally like it rushed you into like, oh, shit, these people are in big trouble, you know? It was one thing for the Santa Claus to kill the two people in the toy store, but then you see not only they kill the father, but he killed the kid. So I think I think that was what he was doing with that aspect was that he was saying this is not the thing to fuck with, you know. And I think in a in a way, and maybe this wasn't something that the director intentionally did but maybe i just took it this way it kind of shows the fact that this is not human it's a robot it doesn't have any sympathy even for a child you know so but i listen if you're gonna pick between an uh, a pet or a child i'm picking the child every time to die (laughs) i I guess if i had to pick between a cat and a dog I'm saving the dog every time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. I will say this, though. That's I'm glad a joke, you mentioned people, that. people, all right? Relax. <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned the look of it, though, because I feel like that was something that worried me with the beginning of the film was it looked too human. Even though it had the glow, I felt like, when are we going to get that it actually looks like a robot? And you then. Know- that honestly, Ray, I, I felt the same way. If that, and I'm sure that's a budget thing. I did feel like it was too human. Yeah. Looking, I wish that he would have got the glowing eyes uh, sooner, but I'm sure it was a budget thing. But yeah, I, I did could wish see that. that it was more. Um, it looked more like a. It moved robot. more like a, like a cyborg. Yeah. 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 Well, we definitely got more of it at the end. Like we yeah, got yeah, the half so. almost RoboCop esque look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, and I guess we'll get to the, I guess the last act, the last twenty minutes, because it's this did drag for me, especially the fact you think it's dead, but then it comes back again. Then you think it's dead, and then it comes back again. It just kept going back and forth, and I, it just it went too long for me. Also, like, did no one ever learn thing already? To double tap this whole film is just oh, it's dead already. It's like check it. No one decided to check to like, is it actually dead? yeah no i think i think and and again you know it's hard to say because none of us have worked on a film or none of us were directors but maybe that's a part of the script that was um that they should have 
added something to kind of explain that better you know what whatever it was like maybe an injury that was stopping her from you know doing the final like double tap but that part that part really annoyed me for the third act that they they continuously did that where if it they did it once okay but it was a continuous thing that they kept doing and it just felt this is not the right word but it just felt lazy for them not to have something you know they could have done it maybe her her hand was crushed you know something you know what i mean yeah, and they and they eventually did it but it's like it's too late almost like it's like you're already doing this over and over and then it's like at the point of like it should have been dead oh now her leg is broken her hand got chopped it's like what so she's gonna die here it doesn't make sense for her to be able to win at this point like yeah, I, I don't know if it was maybe a timing thing and they're like oh you know this climax you know we have like another five minutes or ten minutes here let's we need to drag this out longer I don't know what it was it just it just kept going and going and she lost her fingers but she's still able to defeat the damn thing at least we thought but then it comes back again it's like come on yeah I, I thought I thought maybe someone else would come in and maybe help her maybe maybe one of her friends even though he, he clearly got killed I thought oh, maybe he'll come back I don't know yeah Robbie yeah. was gonna somehow make it even though his head just got demolished. <laughs> you know, you know. Speaking of that, I felt like there was another missed opportunity with, you know, they had the sister die, and she kind of didn't react to it till she was out of the house. That part kind of, I know that you know things happen in real life that maybe would that situation would happen, but I felt it would have been more effective if she tried to help her sister and then watched her die and then they kind of dragged her out yeah she kind of just just ran away like yeah. you could clearly tell your sister's about to die yeah and nothing nothing it was just so weird like then afterward it's like oh my sister's like she, she she's not coming like she's dead yeah <laughs> like she ain't gonna make it but Rob, guys robbie Oh, she she felt so bad for Robbie. Let, hey, like, you know why? Because Robbie eats good pussy. That's why. Yeah, yes. He, I fucking said that on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he has the Tyrannosaurus power. Remember, that was her one line at the bar when they're drinking. It's like, no one knows how to eat pussy. It's like. Yeah. So let, let, that be, <laughs> let that be a lesson to anyone that enjoys vagina out there. It, it pays to be well at oral sex <laughs> oh man they will they, they will love you more than they love their sister <laughs> <laughs> she tried to fight santa just because he was that good like uh. so we really don't know why this santa claus malfunctioned and just went on a massive killing spree i guess i don't know i guess that doesn't really matter i'm she pretty sure it was the alien from nope I'm pretty that sure was, that was it. It was just that's it. Uh, I guess I guess so. Cybernet or whatever that company from Terminators I made these Sky robots. Skynet. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would have liked if they would have had something. Something triggers it. Like maybe it was all the Christmas talk. Something just it makes it malfunction. Like was it the uh, two know, having sex in the store? Was that it? It's the it's the horror movie trope. If you have sex, you're gonna die. That's true. <laughs> you know, honestly, I didn't mind it because I knew, you know, this is what it is. You know, it is yeah. a killer Santa Claus movie. 
So I didn't need it to be explained, but I can understand why someone would like to know. Well, I mean, if he, I don't think he's going to make a sequel, but if he does, he may have to fill. That is a big, that's a blank that he's going to have to fill in. Well, they could, though, Travis, because this isn't the only one out there. Yeah, they mentioned See, that's yeah, what That's what I thought about at the end. I'm like, think about it. It was so hard to kill this one, and there's multiple out there. Yeah. And this, who knows if he's actually, like, if this one is dead. Because yeah. we just get that last scene of her basically crying in the middle of the street. It's like, what if he's still moving? Well, they, the sequel has to be all multiple robot sense. You think, you think they're going to go aliens with this? <laughs> I mean, sequel, you got to go bigger. You got to go bigger. You got to go bigger. And so you got to have mul- you got to have multiple. I mean, I could see I listen, they do have a reason to do the sequel simply because there's multiple of these and they haven't been all picked up for recall yet. So I could see a sequel. It I guess it all depends on whether or not this does well but i think i also believe i read an article about them having ideas for a sequel don't quote me on that one because i've read a lot of articles lately about potential sequels including for escape for new york but um yeah so i could see a sequel to this and i think the sequel would involve multiple but then you know obviously the budget would have to be way higher yeah like i say he's gonna need a lot more money for that idea to happen Meaning bigger than than a shutter, we have to go yeah. to Peacock. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where it's gonna go. But no, well, I can I, I can definitely see that. Oh, honestly, though, multiple. I'm surprised, and maybe this is by choice, but I'm surprised that not a bigger, like a Blumhouse or a James Wan, haven't given this director um, an opportunity to do a more mainstream film. You know, because I think that, you know, the two movies that we have seen, we haven't seen the uh, one in the middle, Bliss. But the two movies we all have seen, we have all been, even if we didn't love this one, we've all been pretty impressed by the director that we think that he could do something really uh, great with a bigger budget. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's just... why I pitched to Del Toro, the curiosity, Cabinet Curiosity. You pitched it to him? <laughs> this is where Travis lets it. us know. Did you go to Mexico? <laughs> Give him a contract. Could Wait. it be the stylistic choices, I guess? Like being that risky to be like, we're going to kill a kid in this film. Maybe that's there, stopping someone it. from letting him but have a bigger budget. The thing budget. is that these studios, yes, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to do, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, just from the films that we've seen this year, you know, uh, from my, what I understand, like Barbarian and things like what we saw in Violent Night, studios are open to push the envelope, right? Yeah. But it's just, you know, there would be a, a limit to it. Oh, yeah. They but I, the end, yeah. yeah, but I think that, you know, even even Halloween ends, they have a pretty brutal child um, accident, accidental kill in it. You know, so I think there would be a limit to it, but I think if anything, this year proves with Terrifier especially, and that that really pushes the envelope in today's day and age. I think that you know studios should look into. Wow, there really is a uh, portion of this crowd that wants to see stuff like this, wants to see stuff that ha- you know that was 
you know, the underground of like the 70s, you know, and I think that Pete Studio should realize that there is a good portion of the audience that do want to see this because it's not so much of like the shock value of it, but it's more of like the escapism of it because, you know, you're not going to take Terrifier to you're not going to, you know, skin a person to that degree and they're still going to be alive and and mommy and all that other stuff you know and then actually put salt on the wounds exactly but it's like that's why these movies i think have such a following is because it's so ridiculous it's so out of the norm that people enjoy it and it makes it fun you know yeah it was crazy one one of the most anticipated films for next year is cocaine bear yeah. yeah, yeah. The idea is ridiculous, but you're like, God damn, this just looks like to be. It's gonna be so much fun. And again, it's because it, it gets you out of that just normal mindset. It's gonna be something that's so just out there that people want to see how this goes. I feel like Terrifier Two, as crazy as it was, that's gonna open. I feel like bigger studios to want to make movies like that because they're gonna see how much again a smaller film like that was able to make as much money as it did. Maybe this director could get something now that they see that the audience is there and it's profitable. Yeah, you, you can tell that directors go with this director. He's go with his money. He, yeah. he he does a lot with so little that he's given. Almost like a Sam Raimi had that same talent. You know, look, look at the look what career he had. You know, later. So you never know. And plus, you know, with these movies we mentioned earlier, you don't need to spend a lot of money. You know. Uh, with that said, um, I don't see myself revisiting this film. It's kind of like a one and done for me. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, I, I still would pick VFW over this, but there are aspects of this film that I liked. I think the biggest issue with this film, I think, would be pacing. So how do you guys feel? So overall, would I recommend it? Uh, depending who who at depending who you, it depends like, if you're like into heart. If you're into Terrifier two, I say sure. If you're not into those kind of movies, I say skip it. Yeah, I think I think I will revisited just to see if i have a different opinion about it later on it's not something that i'm like listen vfw i've watched multiple times at this point i've really enjoyed it i've shared it with many people in my life that i think would enjoy it so vfw is is one that i revisit a lot like i really enjoy that film this one i think i will check out maybe next christmas or the christmas after that just to see if i have a different opinion about it or i appreciate it more like one of my favorite horror movies and holly horror movies is krampus and the first time i saw it i did not like it i thought i was very underwhelmed by it but now i've grown to love it because i understand what the film was you know and i don't know maybe i missed it the first time because i built it up so much in my head it's a killer santa claus movie you know horror and holiday is one of my favorite things in the world then you have uh, this director that I love, VFW. So maybe it's one of those films that I have to revisit to really love. Um, so I will say that. I would say I don't think it's like Terrifier level of of what it does. But I think if you liked Silent Night, Deadly Night, I think that you have a, go- a strong chance of possibly liking this one. If you enjoy holiday slashers, I think you could like this one. But it's not at a level of a, a Terminator or, or any other kind of robotic 
type uh, sci-fi killer movies. Yeah, it, it does take elements from Terminator, the horror aspects of it, but it's not at yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, sir. What do you think? Um, um, I would say, okay, as far as recommending it, I would say definitely give it a watch just to see. Again, for us, there was aspects we enjoyed of the film, and sadly, there's aspects that we thought could have been done a different way. Or just again, like especially for me, I thought it could have ended in other paces of the film that could have made it a better film. Because that was my biggest thing. I feel like I really enjoyed the film till the third act, when it's just going over and over and over again. Um, stylistically, again, it's different. It gives something a new setting to the genre there. Um, as far as robots and that style to the horror, it's still better to me than the Child's Play remake. Because <laughs> that film just... No, don't do it with Chucky. <laughs> Evil Santa, yes. Chucky robot, no. <laughs> um, but I would say I would agree with Anne that it's not to the point of Terrifier, Terrifier 2 gore. Because there's still some ways that they protected not doing too much either. Yeah, they again, the budget they, wasn't crazy. They didn't show the kid dying. They 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 cut away it almost yeah because they they showed through the blinds that you don't really see the kid get yeah. hatched, but they they inference that it's like oh the kid is getting murdered in that sense. Yeah. So it's like those things that at least again, it's not to make you get just sickened by the movie. Um, so it's like, definitely enjoyable. Let me ask you guys, what did you think of the villain? Because myself and Ray are going to be talking on our podcast, the Legacy Sequel Podcast, that uh, our favorite horror holiday villains. And what do you think of the Santa Claus in this? Because for me, I think the lack of emotion, I understand that he's a robot, kind of hurt the character. The fact that he was just a killing machine, and I know that's what it is, but yeah. there's almost, you know, the, we spoke a lot about the Terminator in this. There's, there is a charisma to Arnold, even as in the first film where he's more of a robot because basically he was hiding the fact he wasn't a, a great actor at the time, you know. But I think I, for me, that kind of hurt the film you know when you think of horror villains even outside you know horror genre uh, or holiday villains i should say you know hans gruber had a lot of you know a lot going to him you know yeah. begging off in a certain aspect of the film lying that kind of thing there's a lot of charisma to it uh billy too you know you see like why he hates santa claus with the you know the gruesome um sexual assault that happens that he witnesses and then you know putting on the suit and then seeing that sexual assault happen at his workplace so i think i don't know it's just i, mean, I felt i felt i was gonna say at least with terminator they explain you know what you know about the future and how you know the, the cyborgs take over the future and there's a war with the human race so you understand arnold's the t-800 why he wants to kill sarah connor there's a reason there here you don't have that that's why yeah. I, you know that's why i mentioned you know did this thing have like did they have like a malfunction which yeah. is why you know they want to recall all these things like i i needed a little more with with this yeah, well, at least you know that's a good point maybe that if that was explained that maybe 
I would have connected more with this villain. I just felt that it was very, you know, killing machine, that it didn't, it wasn't like cool enough for me to uh, forgive it, I guess, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely becomes almost one sided. Like, the everyone else has to react to it. There's nothing that it plays off. There's nothing that it gives you, like, okay, there's a reasoning for this, or almost of this is who he is. Like, the, kill, the killing of the kid is the only thing that makes us now believe, okay, it's that merciless. It is just a robot. There's no human emotion there. But still, it's like at least something. Like, how it's a santa claus malfunctioning there should have been at least something like maybe there's still elements of a santa in it you know like have it just be a little joyful at certain points and then wipes back into killing i feel like that would have added a little more to it just to add that this is a killer santa claus not just a robot you know i think you know if he does plan on going moving forward with a sequel i mean he would he wouldn't need to answer these questions Especially we're going to get like multiple Santa Clauses, you know, letting loose on society. At least, I don't know, did they forget to install a chip to uh, almost almost like a, a block, like a, a antivirus maybe? I don't know. My thing was, how would they deprogram it? If it's that hard to be killed, what were yeah, they right? going to do to stop it? <laughs> like, it's like, it's just like they did everything. She put water, it didn't want to die. Fire, it didn't want to die. Then it starts sparking like a Power Ranger villain. I'm like... Are they fighting putties or a robot? Why Why is there sparks just coming out like this is a Power Ranger villain every time he gets struck? Like, it's like... It, yeah, it's, it's it, was, it was too much. For anyone that wants to check out Christmas, Bloody Christmas, it is currently streaming on Shudder. Uh, also, if you have AMC Plus, it's streaming on there as well. I won't be surprised if AMC does like a TV cut edit of this movie and airs it next year. Because, I mean, they have aired the Creepshow TV series on their network before, so... I want to be be surprised they do something similar with this, but overall, yeah. If you want to check it out, it's on there. Um, any last words, guys, before I wrap this one up? Yeah. When when are you gonna talk about Violent Night? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Whenever you invite me on your Legacy Sequel podcast, you guys, oh. you guys still do movie reviews on there, right? Uh, we do, but we try to do like rankings nowadays because that's what the kids like. Yeah, it's uh, more of list. We'll we'll throw in our opinion on a movie and give. A little bit of like, you guys, want to just give a quick opinion on it since we all saw it together? Sure. Yeah, that's a more awesome. positive outlook on a movie. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I, I, and one, uh, I really enjoyed the day with you guys. It was nice to go out and do, especially, you know, all of us around this time are super busy with our lives and what we do and all that. So it was nice to come out and do something we went to a haunted hamburger spot which was a cool atmosphere and the food was pretty good too so it was like a fun kind of like thing to go to and then to go see violent night which for me i really enjoyed it i thought david harbour was a great santa claus for what this santa claus was uh i think that this is a film that will grow on me even more every time i watch it and uh yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was a fun action style film it's a small movie it happens in one location but i thought that it was well done and i think that this film will grow in its cult following for years to come 
yeah, I think Fright Rags, you know, in a couple years, going to be making merch off of this. Oh game. hell yeah, NECA, let's <laughs> get that action figure. That's definitely going to be just. There's so much they could take out of this film that was great, um, yeah. but definitely it's a great it's a great family. I feel like this is definitely one that's going to go in the rotation now. Like this is a film you could add, especially oh, if you it's love. It's gonna it's gonna pass Ginger Dead Man. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You've seen what I've seen already, and you know I got I got a lot of homework to do. But as far as what of Christmas horror, this definitely it goes very high on the list. How good it was! It just again, David Harbor was great as Santa, as Viking Santa. I guess we find out. Um, and John Leguizamo, hilarious as always. They definitely there was a lot to play off. I feel like it was a good casting of having who we had on the. Um, on the team, on the uh, kidnapping team, it was it was good. Yeah, no, and I was gonna say it was nice to see Beverly D'Angelo in it because it kind of yeah. harkens back to a very popular Christmas movie and Christmas Vacation. So that was a cool aspect too. And yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to more sequels, which I think they are gonna do because the budget was low. And yeah, like like I said, David Harbor just did uh, such a great job as. Uh, uh, killer Santa Claus. We also yeah, find uh, out Santa likes his alcohol. So cheers, Santa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, yeah, David Harper, John Leguizamo, Beverly, and the rest of the Canadian actors. Canada, you did good. <laughs> um, I You know, this was a universal film. I'm surprised this wasn't done under their Blumhouse banner. Um, but yeah, I this this was very this was a lot of fun. Um, it's definitely gonna get its cult following over the years. You mentioned sequels. Now you're getting me excited. <laughs> and, Listen, uh, yeah. I think obviously we uh, there was a lot of teases about Mrs. Claus. Yes. But I I think uh, I think I think naturally I think a Krampus in this universe, Krampus versus Santa Claus is something that uh, could happen. That's what I, I said instantly walking out of the film. I was like, I, I want to see Krampus versus the Santa now. <laughs> I really think they could do a trilogy right here. Uh, you know, number two, something happens with Santa. He needs help. He calls him Mrs. Claus. You know, there, there's your movie for part two. Listen, part three, I, 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 I agree with you. I think absolutely that it's a team up, bash them up style movie. I think it's a duo. I think Mrs. Claus is also a badass and that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. Does she also carry a hammer, or is she going to have a sword? She's uh, have I, don't know. I don't know. We'll see, Ray. We'll see. But I also want to mention, like, the fact that the movie also had heart to it. A lot of, like, oh, definitely. Yeah. typical oh, yes. Christmas tropes. Yeah, That's yeah, what I almost said. It's, it's a good family movie, but then it's, like, it's also horror, so maybe not all the kids can watch this one. At, um, oh, no. <laughs> that chimney scene. <laughs> Why did that have to happen to John Leguizamo? Well, I said, he thought, he's got something really bad's got to happen to him. Everyone like, else oh. got, got it pretty bad. They almost went risky there. I thought they were going to do a full, not to spoil too much of it, but a full crucifixion scene. I thought they almost well, went I think I think the reason why they did that was because, you know, the other fight scenes were a lot better than the yeah. final one. So they had to do something yeah. outrageous to, to, oh, shit, we didn't see that before. <laughs> But yeah, I you know the Sunday was a lot of fun. I love hanging out with you guys. You know, I, I love going to the to the house of Gangone, seeing you guys. You guys have the Christmas trees, the presents. It, it puts me in the Christmas mood. You know, Aww. you guys, you you remind me. You know, huh? You know, the Christmas charm is still here. Hell yeah! 
just gotta find you know you just gotta find and hang out you surround yourself with the right people i love that thank you travis that's great and if you don't krampus is coming <laughs> yeah i think i'm i think i'm gonna wrap this one up you know you mentioned uh anthony before i do that you know we're we're seeing almost like a reintroduction reintroduction of the exploitation movies with how recently the horror films have become and it makes me wonder if Tarantino Rodriguez would have waited like 20 years to do their Grindhouse movie. And you know what? And since we're at it, hey, Eli, you still want to do that Thanksgiving movie? <laughs> a lot of people like these kind of movies now. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think, you know, even though uh, Tarantino thinks it's his worst movie, I think that... Um, the, the film that he did for Grindhouse, uh, Death Proof, was really good, especially for, you know, today's kind of what he, what Hollywood likes to do with movies. I think Death Proof is the perfect film to do. Uh, I think Grindhouse, the Grindhouse films, I think you're right. I think now would have been the time to do it. I honestly, you know, think of the time frame that that film came out, which was like, 0507 something like that this is after he did sin city yeah Yeah, it doesn't really make sense that it came out during that time because movies at that time were so clean in in the way they were filmed you know so yeah i think you're right i think now was the time to to do it and there's so many there's so many films to point to as you just said you know with terrifier 2 or this film or even um, other films that have come out in the past few years, even like Psycho Goreman, you know, these kind of films that are, you know, ridiculous or kind of grindhouse style, I think they, uh, that's, that's the route to go with because it's so different from the, you know, I don't want to say, you know, we're very conscious of our uh entertainment nowadays and everyone has an issue with certain things sometimes maybe people go overboard with it uh but i I think that there is a a healthy audience out there to see films uh in that are ridiculous and and you know in a way fun you know ultimately these movies are fun and i think a lot of films are missing that i mean think about it you know how many comedies come out in in theaters now you know the last great comedy that i've seen was good boys that was three years ago you know how many um stepbrothers are there or or you know some of these movies that people love from the early 2000s or, or wedding crashes things like like they don't come out at all anymore and no, I, I think like that's like the last big boom era for comedy was i guess the judd epitower Tower Judd Epitow and his crew when they came in we were like the third uh, forty year old virgin. Uh, you mentioned Step Brothers, uh, Pineapple Express. Uh, what's the one? Uh, Knocked Up. Yeah, I felt that was like the last big era, not just for comics, but even for rom coms as well. Yeah. Like post yeah. Mick Ryan. Well, and it's because, like you said, it's that worry now of what can be done in a film anymore. That's not gonna yeah. cross yeah, those that line. Not, those movies will not work today. I just think, not work in 2022. I just think that, you know, we've become maybe too conscious. And the thing is that I think it was a good idea to be conscious of 
um, what we, how we portray certain things, you know. I do think that there should be a level of, hey, you know, Black Panther should be played by a white person, that kind of thing, you know. But I think, like most things, you know, when you do try to do something good or try to progress in, in, in society, that sometimes you go too much, too overboard, that you maybe um, start doing it for the wrong reasons. And I feel like maybe now certain films are doing it more to try to make money than necessarily uh, uh, say their art in a certain way that is valuable, not only for entertainment, but maybe to say something important about our society. And I think that horror still has that. And like I said, we just want our movies to to be fun too. And I mean, you could go overboard with it because Thor, Love and Thunder, hey, we're fun. It's like, no, you're annoying. You know? I still want to see what they're going to do in Rush Hour 4. Because that's definitely one that they have to tone it down a bit. Yeah, you can't make those uh, Toto jokes anymore. Yeah, well, there's a lot of jokes they can't make, especially from the first one. But and I hopefully we'll Roman Polanski it. ain't in this one. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't find one other French guy. <laughs> Freaking Brett Ratner, no wonder he got canceled. You, you, you were talking about the Grindhouse. Um, you know, I think with Death Proof, I, I hate to say it's his worst film because I feel if you say worst, it implies that Quentin made a bad movie. I don't think Tarantino has ever made a bad movie. I mean, he's made movies that were stronger, better than others. But I think it is, I guess, compared to his to his line of work, it is one of his weaker films, yes. But I still think it's a good movie. And I think in a film like that, especially in today's culture, where, you know, female empowerment is a big thing, I think that movie would work. I'm well, yeah, he thinks that's his worst film too. I think, I think, I think he looks at it more so from a financial standpoint because it flopped. I guess. I think, I think one. I think Stuntman Mike is a great villain, you know. But I think, I think that movie does uh, does enforce the female empowerment. You know, those yeah. women at the end when they get their comeuppance on Stuntman Mike, you want Stuntman Mike to. You know get beat up and like it's so satisfying when he does you know but uh, yeah i don't i mean honestly i thought once upon a time in hollywood has been my least favorite tarantino film even like i like aspects of you know technically hateful eight is a christmas movie i like a lot of aspects about hateful eight i just that third act kind of like kills it for me but i think the dialogue is really good throughout the film but i think once upon a time in Hollywood for me was just a film that I didn't have didn't think it had a strong enough structure of a story to sustain my my uh, my uh, my viewing my entertainment for the time frame that it had. Uh, for me, I think my least favorite Quentin film. I may have to go with Inglorious Bastards. Wow. Ooh, well, Django's my favorite, uh, but Inglorious Bastards is up there. I like Christoph Waltz as a uh, hero than a more than a villain. Even though he, wo- I'm pretty sure he won an Oscar for both. Yes, he did. That's yeah. Inglorious was his breakthrough, at least here in the states. I mean, he was always an actor in your in Germany. 
But uh, but yeah, I I just couldn't get into Glorious Bastards. There was another film that came out that same year. It was called Defiance. It stars Daniel Craig. Um, it's a very similar story to Schindler's List. It was about these group of uh, Jewish men. They were hiding in the woods from the Nazis, and it turns out they found another uh, small uh, family, and they realized, you know, we can't really keep all these people because we don't have enough food. And before you know it, they find more people and more people, and they have like almost like a little community buried in the woods, hiding away from the Nazis. And I've never learned about the story in school. They never taught. I never, I never knew the story existed until I saw this film. It's a true story. And they, and in the end, they saved these these three brothers. Ended up saving around the same number of refugees that Schindler saved. Mm. Around, I believe, what thirteen hundred, maybe. And and these boys, they never see, received any Nobel Peace Prize, no uh, Medal of Honor, nothing. It's just you know they um, once the war ended, they migrated to the United States and they just be you know had normal jobs. I was like, wow, this was a, this was a story I, I never knew about. I wish I would have knew. I would have learned in you know when we were learning this in uh, middle school when you're t- yeah. teaching mm-hmm. stuff the Holocaust. Wait, what was that that film called again? It's, it's called Defiance. Hmm. Stars uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But it came out the same year as Inglorious Bastards, and of course, Inglorious they got all the attention because of Tarantino and all that. And this film just oh, yeah. kind of fell under the radar. Yeah, that's all. I, mean, I was thinking like I don't think I have a least favorite Tarantino film. My still, my favorite still is always going to be Pulp Fiction. But I don't think there's one that's like, eh. Yeah, I mean it's just crazy how we went from <laughs> Christmas Bloody Christmas to talking about Tarantino. This just, just turned into a legacy sequel podcast. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, we're everywhere just, with this. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're, we're becoming everywhere with this. But yeah, I was just saying, you know, I think with the Grindhouse, I mean, nostalgia is a draw. I think the exploitation films are slowly, almost like sneak, like making a slight comeback in, in, in a sense. And maybe, I, I understand why Robert Rodriguez wanted to do Planetary because he wanted to cash in on the zombie lore because he knew the zombie lore was going to make a comeback. And this was two years right before The Walking Dead premiered. And I think that's why he. I want to say the film was rushed, but you know they, you know they did what they did. And maybe I think I think the, those films being long too may have played a role why it flopped because you're in that theater for about four plus hours. Because each yeah. film is about is like an hour and forty minutes. And I plus, feel like that's it, another one though that's ahead of its time though. That's why yeah. it could have it could have been as well. Like I feel like maybe that's another one that if it was out now, could have done a little better. I feel like. I think so, yeah, because the audiences at the time they weren't you comfortable with the idea of sitting in a theater for like two plus hours, maybe two and a half, the no. most. But any any time longer than that is like a chore for them. Yeah, they sh- they probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I mean, if they did, they should have kept each movie at least an hour or maybe forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, they probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you know what? I think. You know, and I'm glad we, we are speaking about this because I think there is a lot of similarities to the 70s and what's going on um, as far as entertainment and why these grindhouse and exploitation and, and black exploitation films were coming out during the time. So I think, you know, once you you have a society that is very, you know, I don't see, I really don't know what's the right way to say it. 
let's just say uptight for now, but a society that's very conscious about what's coming out, that the, that's when these kind of films do well, because they're speaking uh, in a way that a lot of people fear, uh, feel, I'm sorry, but are maybe afraid of uh, expressing it because they're afraid of being out, you know, ousted as, you know, a certain way or, or you know, made to feel stupid or whatever the case is and i think uh, i think there's a lot of value to that and i'm glad that you know these are the type of times um that entertainment is so is is necessary it's not just you know for leisure you know they say things that our society or people fear feel in our society that uh they don't say themselves and that's why so many cling on to certain um, things like what we're talking about certain horror movies because they speak in a way that um, may not be proper for the time and uh, that's always a good thing you know it's always a good thing when something entertains you but also has something to say with that that's meaningful uh, and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on politically if you're left right in the middle I think that it has value because ultimately we're all human beings. We're all um, together on this world and we all should try to be uh, one great uh, human race. Message. <laughs> and this has been Hey Babe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, guys, once again, I'd like to thank you both for appearing on Fractured Skulls. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you guys, I mean, you guys definitely going to be back for the future, but I think this is going to be the last episode for 2022 for the both of you. Oh, you um, hear that, Ray? We're going to be booked again. <laughs> Hopefully Monoxide could join us. I feel like this is it. We're just nah, a hot tag. like us, Ray. <laughs> is that it? You know what? Let me say, I'll put this in stone now. Let me invite Travis to our year-end review of 2022. And uh, I think that would be a good episode for him because we could talk about all the things that made 20, 2022 horror uh, a very important year, I think, in horror movies. Yeah, and uh, in these last 20 minutes of this episode, we just got a sneak preview of well, you know, what you could expect. Oh, absolutely. Legacy Sequel Podcast. And uh, fans, we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back again. We're going to try to record an episode. Ooh, Christmas weekend. Ooh, Christmas Eve. Ooh, it's going to be tough. I don't know what movie review we're going to do. I have to figure that one out with uh, my with Monoxide. So, uh, but yeah, a Legacy Sequel Podcast. Look it up. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Spotify. On Anchor. So, uh, and, you know, for Anthony versus Evil Dead. For Charles Lee Ray Ray. I'm Terminator Travis. Better watch out.